And I believe that that will begin to help you on that journey. Well, good morning and thank you for joining us today. We all know that this has been quite an extraordinary time. And then now is this last week and a half as new events and new realities have been unfolded in our lives. And so many of us are trying to figure out what this means, what this means for us, what this means for our family, what it means for our communities, and yes, even what that means for our church. And today, uh, we wanted to do something about it. We wanted to actually take time to really address what we know everybody is thinking and what everybody is talking about. And so we're very fortunate today uh, to have a panel of people once again this week because we just believe that, you know, that God speaks through his people. And these are people that may be familiar to you. In fact, they're all members here of Shepherd's Gate. Uh, they have been for quite some time. And so I want to introduce you to Sharon Allen, who's been a member for... 22 years. 22 years. Matthew Murphy, your family has been here. So, you know, this is where I would need my wife to give me the specific times, but I would say it's a little under seven years. A little under seven years. And L.V. Irvin. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, 25 years. 25 years. That is correct. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> only because only I looked yours up for some yeah. reason. 25 of the 40 years of this yeah. church's existence. And yet here we are, where we find ourselves in 2020 and dealing with, yet again, another tragedy in our society. So I want to kind of just start with you guys. I want to start with, with you, Sharon, and with you, LV. How are you feeling? Well, you know, Pastor, I think about uh, when I get weeds in my yard. Um, if you don't pull the weeds up by the root, they grow back. And dealing with our situation as far as racism, nobody pulls it up by the root. So here it is. I think about two years ago, you and I sat on this very stage here and talked about some of the problems. After that service, I had a lot of people that came up and told me they were sorry for me, but they missed the, the point. It wasn't about me. It was about what we're talking about again today. I think about uh, the football player, Kaepernick, uh, Neil, and was called unpatriotic. Nobody understood that his kneeling had nothing to do with being unpatriotic to the flag. Uh, as a member of the armed service, I wasn't offended because I understood what he was kneeling for. But there were so many others who thought that what he did was really a terrible thing. Uh, this man was blackballed out of football because of a stand he took, which led me back to the... Uh, Guys in the 60s who were in the um, Olympics and gave the raised fists and were blackballed because they stood up for what we're going through today. So until we pull up the roots of racism, we're going to have the same things growing back again. That's my thought. So, for, me, you, so for you, it's just, this is yet another, it's just bringing those feelings and emotions, it's just... That's, cyclical. It's just it's it's happening exactly again. exactly what, what LB said. It's just bringing, nothing has changed. Here I am in my 60s, and um, and, and I think you're going to read some of my son, but what, what hurt me so much was when my son posted what he had to post on his Facebook page. I was just, just as a mom, as a black mom, I was hurt, and I've been 
trying not to cry now, but every day I've been crying because I can't help him. And this has been going on for too long. And when is it going to stop? And I know people keep telling me, well, racism, yes, it is. It still exists. It still exists. And like Elvie said, you know, when a, a peaceful protest tried to happen, in which people didn't understand, they didn't let it happen. Now we're here. We're at a protest that's sometimes it's not being peaceful because the same thing keeps happening over and over again. It hasn't stopped. Racism does still exist, and it's here, and we need to, you know, say something about it. Right, which, which hopefully today that's what we're doing. Hopefully that we're just going to, we're going to talk about some things that are difficult to talk about. We're going to talk about some things that need to be addressed. Uh, just as we did two and a half years ago, and maybe we need to do more. Maybe we need to go further. Maybe we need to get more things on the table and not be afraid. Well, one of the things that, that I've said all along, and I was talking with, with you about, uh, is conversation. I need to understand why are you so afraid of me? And when I say me, I'm talking about the African-American male. What is it that frightens you so much of me? so I can understand your feelings. And you need to understand my feelings. I'm frightened of you. Uh, One of the things that used to scare me to death was when I was working at St. Clair Power Plant. And I used to have to drive down 26 Mile Road. And back then we didn't have cell phones. And my fear was that my car would break down when I was working afternoons and I would have to go knock on one of those farmers' doors. That scared me to death. And Matthew, not only are you a member of the church, but you're also a sergeant for the Macomb County Sheriff. And obviously, uh, you're seeing these events unfold. Your father, you're a husband, you have four kids that you're raising in your home. And tell us a little bit about how you're processing all this, what's taking place. You know, when uh, I first saw the video, it felt like someone kicked me in the gut. It feels like all the work, all the good work that the law enforcement community has done in the various communities, the ledger has just been wiped clean. And um, I have partners at work that are talented, smart, caring individuals that work really hard to do what they're called to do. Um, many of them have, truly have a servant's heart. Um, but like any other vocation or job, um, we draw from the human race to fill our ranks. So we have flawed and frail and imperfect people. But, uh, you know, I've been at the sheriff's office working on my 25th year. And I can tell you at the Macomb County Sheriff's Office, we are incredibly sensitive to the people that we serve. If a complaint comes in that an officer didn't treat someone with respect or dignity, it is absolutely vetted. It is, you know, there's an investigation. We have an office of professional standards that looks at everything. Nowadays, within the last five years, we've had body cameras that are on all the officers. We had car cameras for a long time, but now we have body cameras that are mic'd. And uh, when a complaint comes forward, they're reviewed and they're, they're looked at. Um, and there's a little bit of a pre-incident that gets recorded when a traffic stop's made. So you have like a few moments before the lights go on and the siren go on. And then when, when the, the body mic's activated, you get the sound. But... Um, you know, my experiences, I'm, I'm 48 years old, so I don't have the same worldview, at least of the, the eyewitnessing of the history repeating itself. But uh, 
it, uh, it just feels like such a blow to my, uh, my community of law enforcement workers, men and women that work really hard to try to keep the community safe. You know, I feel like we've taken a, a giant step back in the effort of earning the trust of the people that we serve. And, and we know there's a, lot of, there's a lot of stories, there's a lot of injustices, and it's frustrating because it does. It seems like it, it keeps getting repeated over and over again. And not just back to the 60s. I mean, you can go all the way back to the very beginning of time uh, in the garden, right? The first two brothers, one yeah. kills the other one. I mean, even, even the faith we profess, the Bible that we go to for instruction, and, and this has been going on since really the beginning of time. And, that, and we, know that, we know that's the root. We know sin is the root. We know that the devil is out to kill and to steal and destroy us. And yet, what is our hope? It's Jesus. Our hope is Jesus, that we cling to him, that in some fashion, in some way, God, help us to figure this out. Help us to not pass this on to the next generation. And uh, here we are as a church, right? We've been going through Romans. Anybody that's been following Shepherd's Gates know that we've been looking at Paul's letter to the church in Rome, and we've made it all the way to chapter 12. Uh, but it's interesting because you go back even to God's word, even during this time, just a couple thousand years ago, and they were still dealing with it. They were still having to address it. How many times Paul actually addresses it even in the book of Romans? And I'm going to start by reading what we actually looked at. We just looked at this two weeks ago. It says this in Romans 10, 12. It'll be on the screen for you. It says, there's no distinction between Jew and Greek, because that was the big divide back then. For the same Lord is the Lord of all. Remember this? We talked about this. Bestowing his riches on all who call on him. That God's the one that created us. He created all men in his image. All men includes everyone, male and female, right? We're all created in his image and that he actually wants to bless us and he actually wants to prosper us. It's us that get in the way. We're the ones that get in the way of, of, of God blessing because of the way that we treat each other. It's interesting because Paul wrote this in another letter, which you probably, he probably wrote it in every single one of his letters, but he wrote it to a different church. In Galatians, he said this, there is neither Jew or Greek, neither slave nor free. There is no male and female for you are all one in Jesus Christ. And again, what is he doing? He's calling the church to unity. He's calling the church to speak on these issues, to, to rally around who it is that we worship and why we worship him and ultimately who our faith and our hope is in. And I'll give you even one more. And we talked about this a couple years ago when we did the series on Value Everyone because Peter, here's Peter, one of, one of the most famous disciples, if not the famous of the 12 disciples, right? The guy that walked with Jesus, did more with Jesus, got out of the boat, walked on water, all the really cool things that he got to do, and even watched Jesus ascend into heaven. And even after that, even, if, even after he watched the church begin to grow, he still dealt with racism. He still had issues accepting other people. And in fact, it wasn't until he went to Cornelius' house and the Holy Spirit actually fell on the people of the house, not because of Peter's effort, not because of Peter's heart, but because God was so sovereign, he just moved, that Peter finally said this. It actually says in the scripture that he opened his mouth. He's finally, making, he's finally speaking up. He opens his mouth and he says, truly, finally, I get it. I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Why does it take human beings so long to figure this out? Why is it even us as followers of Jesus, why do we still struggle with this today? Why does this seem to be something that is so prevalent that we continue to deal with prejudice and racism in our society? And I'm so glad that you guys, you know, you shared how you feel and what you're going through. And certainly, um, 
I don't, I don't know what your feelings are, but social media, in my opinion, is not helping at all. Uh, in fact, I'm just be honest, I'm kind of disgusted by some of the things that I see posted and reposted, and sometimes it's in the name of humor, and you know, it's supposed to you know, get a chuckle or a laugh, and it's not funny. It's right. not funny at all. It's not funny. Um, and so I know that you are friends with some of the same people I am, or you see some of the videos that, that pop up and those kinds of things. We see the way that it's played out in the media, how it just perpetuates this uh, on an ongoing basis. But my question is, is, what is it that God has called the church to do, right? We're all together followers of Jesus. We're all his children. And so what is it as followers of Jesus, what is it that God is calling us to do? I think basically, and I'm not talking about the big picture, it's talking about the, the here and now. When someone see something that's not right, they need to speak up. If you're listening to a joke that's an off joke about race, you need to speak up and say, I'm not into that. Don't, I don't want to hear it. If you see a person that's being abused uh, mentally, physically about race, you need to speak up and say something. Otherwise, your silence says it's okay. I agree. I agree that I was the EO officer in the military, and that's the one thing that we, um, when we did our training, we tried to let people know that when you see something that's uh, racist or um, discriminatory and you're not saying anything, you're part of the problem. And that's part of it. If you can't say anything, you, you become part of the problem. If you're silent, that means you agree with whatever they're saying. And, uh, and I've learned that you, you really can't change a person's mind, but you can change their behavior. So when you speak up, they may be still a racist or may still think those things, but when they're around you, they won't say them anymore and they won't do them anymore. And that's part of the thing that we need to look at. We need to change people's actions. Right. One incident happened to me here at Shepherd's Gate that really tore me apart and had Donna and myself thinking about leaving Shepherd's Gate. Um, when President Obama was elected, I wore a pen uh, in support of President Obama, and I happened to be uh, serving communion that day. Well, he won the election, and two years later, one of the members of, of our congregation caught me in the hallway after a Saturday men's breakfast and asked me the question, how you like your boy now? And my question to him was, what boy? And he said, your president. I said, well, he's your president also. And from there, the talk escalated. And I finally, I told him, look, I don't want to have this conversation anymore. And we left and we went to uh, the restaurant for breakfast. And once again, he raised the, the conversation again. And we were at the point where we were near um, violence. And finally, I got him to stop. But the part that hurt me the worst was all of these other brothers that were there. Nobody said anything. Nobody said, leave the man alone. That hurt me worse than anything. So it's not even just speaking up and, and maybe even doing a check in our own lives and looking at the words that we say, even the thoughts that we have, or again, I'm just going to keep saying it, no matter how tired our congregation gets sick of hearing it, the stuff that we post and doing an honest gut check, going before God and saying, 
God, you got to do a work deep in my heart. God, you got to call this stuff out in me and help me to address those things. And not only that, but now the second stage then is defending those who are being attacked yes. yeah. and coming along and speaking up. And, I, and you know, you and I have had so many conversations about this. Um, I recognize that I have not always done that. I've recognized that there are, there's been opportunities for me to say something and instead I caved to public pressure or I caved to, well, not wanting to have to call somebody out or to do that. And you remember I told you the story about when we were kind of highlighting the city of Detroit. And right. we've always sent people down to Detroit for a step out and serve. And there was a picture, you know, our, our set design team does such a great job. And there was a graphic that said Detroit. And one of our members came in and they said, they said, I don't, I don't love Detroit because I think it said like it said I heart Detroit. It's like I don't love Detroit. I don't I don't care about that place. And then just walked on. And I I don't know if I was more in shock of like what just happened right here. But then again, I never went back and followed up with that. I never had a conversation and even you know maybe dug in more to why that person feels that way. But also say that's not what God has actually called us to do. We don't get to pick and choose who we like and don't like. Like I don't know how anybody can read the Bible and think okay well. You know, God's only selecting certain races or certain people group or per- people that look, look a certain way or talk a certain way or act a certain way or from a certain country. Because, uh, you know, one of my other favorite things to say all the time is, you know, it's crazy. The United States, only 5% of the world's population lives in the United States. We're 5% of the world's population. 95% of God's children live outside of our borders. And look at the chaos that our country's in. Look at the example that we're setting for the rest of the world. It's sad. It's sad and it's frustrating. And it's interesting, again, because you go to God's word and you read these these scriptures and we just happen to be on Romans chapter 12. And I guarantee you, you've heard a million sermons on this text. This is one of those go-to texts for pastors. It's one of those go-to texts for guest speakers. But then reading it now and looking at it in a new light and in view of what's going on in our society today. And this is what it says, Romans 12.1. Therefore, I urge you, like he's urging the church, brothers and sisters. Oh yeah, reminding us again that we're all in this together. We're all equal because he hasn't told us already 22 times before in the last 11 verses or chapters. But in case we forgot, we're still brothers and sisters. It says, in view of God's mercy, which means in view of what God has done for you, we are to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. We're to sacrifice for the good of others holy and pleasing to God. And oh, by the way, this is actually your true and proper worship of God, which is the mark of a follower of Jesus, right? We sacrifice for others. We give our lives for others. We follow the example of what Jesus did for us. He laid down his life. He died on a cross. He did something that we couldn't do for ourselves. And as we receive that mercy, now we have this incredible, extraordinary opportunity to do that for others. And and I read that in you know, the thing, Paul, he's talking to Christians. Mm-hmm. And we're all supposed to be Christians and not cringe sometimes, <laughs> like you said, at what's out there on social media. And I'm thinking, are we Christians? Are we showing that we're still Christians when we post some of the negative things that we post? And this is a call to action also with Paul. He's telling us that we need to do something, you know, that we're, our bodies are a living sacrifice and that we really need to do something. So what's the action that we're going to take? Right. Now, I know, obviously, 
given the times that we're living in and how many people have contacted me from our church and wanting to know what it is they can do. And you said speak up, right? That's one of the things that, that people need to speak up. They need to come alongside when they see an injustice and not be afraid to confront it. Uh, Matthew, I think of what you do. I think of the circumstance that you're in. Um, I know neither one of you are anti-cop. Nope. You're not anti-police officers. You're not, I'm going to guess, not anti-military nope. since you're both veterans. <laughs> uh, in, fact, L- military. in fact, LV, tell us about, tell us about your family. Uh, my son is a police officer in uh, Indianapolis. Uh, he does a lot of community work. I am so proud of the work that he does. I am not anti-police. I'm anti-bad police. Me too. Me too. <laughs> and I'm anti uh, against those who do wrong. It's possible to be anti-both, anti-bad police and anti-people that's doing wrong. Right. Uh, the label... Black Lives Matter does not mean that everybody else's life don't matter. It means that you need to take our lives who are being beat up and such a way that it doesn't seem that it really matters to anybody. We matter. Um, as far as the military, I did two years in Vietnam. Uh, Loved Sharon and loved her husband. Um, her husband and I had, I still remember the great joke he had. Uh, he was an officer in the Army. And I told him once that, you know, in the Army, we probably couldn't have been friends because I was um, an enlisted man. And he said, well, maybe you could have been my driver. <laughs> <laughs> Is it important for for you to hear um, white brothers and sisters say black lives matter? It's more important for them to make it matter. Saying something and not doing anything doesn't mean anything. I I know you said you had a lot of calls from people wanting to know what can they do, uh, what can our church do, and I I thought about it, and what I think is that we need to sit down just like we plan out what we're going to do in the future for any other project. We don't need to run out there and do something right away, and then two weeks later we forget about it and it's all over. I think about when when the uh, towers collapsed. For two weeks we were a perfect union. Everybody loved everybody. Mm-hmm. Then after those two weeks, somebody hit a switch and they said, let's go back to being who we were. So I'm saying the same thing about this. Uh, we can't just go out and run and do something to say that Shepherd's Gate did something. We have to do something and continue to do something and continue to do something. Mm-hmm. And what that something is, me not being um, a scholar on, on race relations, I can't <laughs> tell you. Uh, but I know that God will lead us in the direction that he wants us to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my thing is, I look at um, <clears throat> being in the community I'm in, which is a predominantly white community. The church is predominantly white. So a lot of times I ask myself, um, I've asked myself, why am I here? Yes. And I know 
God led me here. He had to have led me here because I'm still here 22 years later. Yep. And um, I think about did I give my kids a little bit of injustice about being in this community, a little bit of um, maybe they feeling safe because of where they were. But I, as a mom, I definitely had to tell my kids, you're still black. You know, you you still got to be careful. And then I ask myself a lot of times, I'm the only black person in the crowd of my white friends. And I ask myself, why? Why is that? that you don't have any other black friends but me. And that's in a several groups. But when mm-hmm. I, if you came into my house for a party, there's going to be black and white. Okay? And I know some of you out there, I'm talking to some of the church people, have been to my house for a party and there's black and white, but when I go to your house for a party, I'm the only black. So that's a question, and I didn't think anything of it before, but that's the question I'm asking myself that now. Why is that? Why am I the only black person at your house? You don't know anybody else. You know, so that's that's something to think about. So these are things that I'm thinking about that that have starting to hurt me a little bit that I'm bringing up that. I'm just wondering why, you know. Right. You're gonna have to help me broaden my circles and invite me to your next party. I will. Yeah. <laughs> Haven't well, given any too lately, but I gave a lot in the past. <laughs> <laughs> well, and not only are you a sergeant, you're you're raising four kids. They're as much as you're probably trying to protect them. They're seeing what's going on. You know, they're seeing the news. They're probably hearing things, or maybe you even conversations between you and your wife. So as a, as a dad, as you're as you're living this out, your vocation not only as you put your uniform on, and you are you're making a living sacrifice. And we respect police officers here. We do. I mean, part of step out and serve every year. That's always. I don't know if you guys like that they bring you cookies or not. Or <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> um, but that's. I mean, every same thing we do for school teachers, right? We're big believers that we always have yep. them stand and pray. Over, like we always try to honor those that are, have been placed in our community to serve us. Um, how do you do that? How do you do that as a dad, as a follower of Jesus, as you're raising your ch- your kids? So, excluding moments that bring us together and have these discussions, right? Hadn't seen an officer uh, do something so egregious that universally is appalled with the people. My, my peer group, they look at it. There's not one that comes to any type of mitigating defense. They see a homicide. I have been proud for the 24 going on 25 years to put on the uniform. It's, it's, a, it's an amazing job where I've had some amazing opportunities, some neat adventures. I've seen a whole heck of a lot of things I wish I could unsee, but that comes with the package. That's part of the, 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 the task or the, the burden, perhaps, with the job. Um, I have had success in my career. I haven't had a ton of unnecessary conflict because I've always prided myself and have been trained um, to de-escalate communication, to be patient, to take the time to talk, to use physical force as the very last resort of any call, trying to ensure that the person that I'm talking to, where whatever their walk of life is, they at least feel the opportunity to be heard. And even after I'm hearing them and I, I take all the information, I act in the most reasonable manner that I can and then make a determination of how that interaction is going to ultimately end, right? You know, whether or not it's going to be a... Thanks for the information. We got all we not we need. I'm going to document this encounter, or if it's actually a physical, you know, corporal arrest. Um, talking to the kids, you know, they're 10 to 16, almost 17. 
Um, it, it obviously varies in sophistication. You know, my eldest, he's a, a bit of a philosopher, and he likes to uh, talk in a little deeper detail, and we go deep into the weeds. You know, my, my youngest daughter, uh, my only daughter, my baby girl, we, uh, we talk a little more superficially, but ultimately what it comes down to is that universal regard. You know, if you start in a foundation of talking to people with respect and dignity and try to respect where they come from, try to understand the lens in which they view the world, it's, 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 it's a foundation that you can build something on. Mm. Where if, if you are constantly, you know, someone who's bullheaded and is not willing to take on someone else's perspective, you know, walk a mile in another person's shoes, it, it's tough to, to be successful in any interaction. So just trying to teach the kids to follow a, a mission statement that this church has embraced this year, you know, value everyone. Mm-hmm. That's true. And I hope that our church is memorizing that. I hope that everyone is, is taking hold of that, that we have been called to value everyone, everyone. And it's interesting uh, because as we're going to go in these next couple of weeks, as we begin to read Romans chapter 12, we're going to take four weeks, all of June on Romans chapter 12. There's some things in here that people are going to be like, I don't want to value that person. And I think we're going to be surprised when God says, no, you are going to value everyone. And so I just believe that this is timely. I believe that God has has put this on our heart, that he's called us uh, to do that. And that's definitely going to continue to be what we're going to go after as a community of believers. Um, But I want to thank you guys again for for being here today. I want to thank you for being so open and honest and, and sharing your heart. And I hope that this is just the beginning. Honestly, I hope that this is just one of many conversations. Like you said, this isn't going to be something that we talk about and then put it to bed and then start another sermon series next month. And then two years from now, we're right back up here doing this all over again. But that this time that we are really going to dig in like never before. So I just want to thank you guys for being here today. 